Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges to help encourage millennial parents in their parenting journey. Thanks for joining us. On this side of the mic is Omar Ramos. And on this side, it's Veronica Avila. And today we have a very special podcast. It's actually the last podcast on mm. our faith series. And the topic is Raising a Self-Compassionate Child. With us is our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos. And of course, we've invited our special guest. His name is Dave Griffin. He's a pastor at the Compass Church in Wheaton. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for joining us, both Thank of you. you. Pastor Dave Griffin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I am uh, 45 years old, I guess I'd say, but been working with uh, students for about 24 years, since 1993. Wow. wow. Uh, don't have any kids of my own because I feel like I got kids from all over the world that we've been able to work with. That's awesome. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Pastor Griffin, for joining us. So here's the icebreaker. Raising a self-compassionate child can be key in a child's life. A self-compassionate child is a child that loves himself, herself, as a result of knowing of God's love for them. Would you say you were raised a self-compassionate child? If so, how did that help you navigate through tough times? And I'm going to pitch this question to you, Pastor Griffin, and of course, Dr. Laos. Uh, I actually, I actually was. I was raised that way because my uh, parents always said the most important value that I can have in my own life is understand that God loves me. Mm-hmm. So I always knew that I was a bit of an extra. They always said I had extra energy, um, and so I was a, a, a bit of a handful as a child growing up. But always through their love and example, always knew that even though that I did mess up and I am not perfect, I am truly cared for, and who I am is important because God loves me. That's wonderful. Yeah, I uh, was pretty curious as a child, so I was the why asker every five (laughs) seconds. And my sisters would get really tired of me, but they would send me to my dad, and he would take his patience in answering the questions. And so he just imbued a sense of grace and value and recognizing my curiosity and nourishing that. And I think that that created in me a sense of you're loved, you're valued, I'm going to take the time to answer all these questions. That's awesome. And thinking back in, in my childhood, I know I, I heard that as well. I, I learned that from my parents as well. I think it gives you that that value, that um, belief. You start believing since you were a child that you are valuable to God. So the rest of the world can, it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as God's love. Would you say same thing, Omar? Yeah, for sure. You know, when I was growing up in California, I was teased on a lot for being a farm boy, but mm-hmm. it was always my, I, I would always go to my mom for that soothing need that I needed from her, and she would always kind of make that association, that segue with God, you know what, you know, people can be very mean, but God is always on your side, and that would always, like, uplift me when I needed those words, because, I mean, kids were just, you know, talking about the 90s, kids were just utterly evil to me, but anyway, that was a long time ago, but I just, I remember my mom taking the time and patience to just kind of curve me and say, hey, this is what's going on, but at the end of the day, God loves you, so that gave me that self of confidence. I think we can say that we were very lucky to be raised that way, but not everybody does, though. Mm. Why don't we listen to this first skit? It's called Chemistry Lab Chaos. It's totally unfair to you. I know. I dominated that game. I'm the reason we won. It's a double standard is what it is. Elaborate. The coaches, the parents, the team, they make it perfectly clear your primary obligation is to the football team. Am I wrong? No. No, you are not. So you prioritize the homecoming gains successfully in order to win. Correct. And in doing so, deprioritize your chem project, which Mr. Stoltz now claims should have been your priority. Don't even get me started on Stoltz, man. He's such a... 
I hate him. He's such... Right. Everyone up in this school knows winning games is hard work. You don't give homework. You don't have tests. You don't assign chemistry projects the Monday after a game. And you definitely don't penalize the star athlete for his commitment to his team. If I fail this class, I swear I will bust some skulls. You cannot tolerate this. You need to act. I say we take this healthy aggression invented in a productive way. Elaborate. After school between like uh, 5 and 6 o'clock, after the faculty goes home, but before maintenance goes around, we let ourselves into the lab. And? And what do you think? We do some damage. Nothing massive, we're not idiots, just enough for Stoltz to see what a huge mistake he made. I don't understand. Do you think he would mess with the football team the rest of the season if we smashed some glassware? Nothing a few hundred dollars couldn't replace. Anything more than that would send the whole faculty on a witch hunt. But if we broke just enough for him to know it was intentional, the same day he handed back failing grades to a third of the football team... Even a bald turd like that would see the connection. <laughs> okay, what are they going to do? Bench the whole football team mid-season? Swab for fingerprints? There's nothing they could do. Is it smart? No. Will it work? Yes. The truth of the matter is, people make the easy choice. And what's easier, cutting us student-athletes who work so hard just a little slack, or turning this whole school upside down to replace some granulated cylinders? Graduated cylinders. You see what I mean? You know chemistry. You're smart. Is this fair? No. You know what? No, it isn't. I feel like a tackling dummy. Doesn't feel good, does it? No. Because you're not a tackling dummy, Walt. You're a quarterback. Darting quarterback. That's what I'm talking about. You call the shots. You win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. All right. Talk about instigating. Goodness gracious. So we just heard Walt and Larry. Uh, they're two student athletes. One of them, Walt, is a starting quarterback. And then Larry, well, we heard him talk Walt into destroying the chemistry lab because of his failing grades given by their teacher. Now, Dr. Lawos, why do you think this happens? Why is there so much peer pressure? Well, I think there's lots of things happening here. Mm -hmm. If we tackle it biologically, we know right now that kids, when they're into adolescent years, their frontal lobe, that part of the brain that's responsible for decision making, is actually not well formed. Mm -hmm. And so that's the part of the brain that says A, B, C, D, consequential, logical. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of studies that show poor judgment kids. Basically, developmental age, there's a lot of poor judgment. But the second thing that, other than biology, is socially, you see here self-confidence taken to the to the level that we would all hate, right? Or, or just really be aghast at. And that's the idea of him being so self-confident, but that he's using it to really destroy mm -hmm. by influencing some another kid in the wrong direction. So he's very confident in his ideas, but he's using it for the wrong motives. And oftentimes that happens when your sense of identity of who you are is based on self. And so nurturing the self because, you know, you're wonderful, you're glorious, and I can influence another you know, just pride versus in a true sense of identity that's mm -hmm. based on, you know, God loves me and I have and his grace is sufficient for me. And it's just a different kind of a, a situation. One is based on I am God, if you will. Hmm. You know, I need to be I can get away with anything and let me pursue you. And so my heart and my intent is bent towards evil versus my heart. And my intent is based on honoring and worshiping God. And hence, if my heart is bent towards that, my activities and my decisions are going to be leaning towards helping others and being compassionate towards others versus damaging and hurting. And I guess having that thought of what would Jesus do, right? Would he destroy the chemistry lab or would he not? 
Yeah, yeah. Except in this case, he doesn't even have that. That's not a question, right? Uh-huh. That's not even something no. that's flowing through his head. It's just <laughs> I can persuade someone to do something evil, and I get a kick out of that. I get power out of that. I feel like I'm in control out of that. If I can get this kid to do what I say, it's going to be like points that I won the game. You know, I influenced mm-hmm. him to my corner of the world. That's where, you know, you've got that sense of narcissism, you know, that sense of self-serving attitude. It's about me and not really about him. Because if he cared about the other kid, he would be obviously trying to do more peacemaking kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Pastor Dave, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's one one of those where you think about it, though. This is kind of scary how I've seen this story played out so many times with different things. And what I looked at is, is... Somewhere these young people have gotten the thought that their identity is based on their performance, whether in sports Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or whether just like the doctor said, uh, how I can perform and control other people. And so they're looking for that sense of belonging and that sense of who I am in either a football game, and they've been taught that somewhere, or the way I can manipulate other people. And that is, that is a totally, it's a self-centered, I'm looking for my value in me, which even I think schools even teach. Even sometimes you can even look at it in how teachers teach. You'll be good if you perform a certain level of excellence. And I look at myself and that's how I grew up. I grew up with my parents teaching one thing, but my my school's teaching another, saying my performance is who makes me who I am. Exactly. And as soon as I started failing uh, performance-wise, meaning not doing what I knew was morally correct when I was in high school. I started kind of, myself, I started figuring out ways that how can I then control my identity? And I went into the thing of either trying to be really good at sports or, because I wasn't, how can I manipulate other people through my words and my actions? Because then that makes me feel good. Exactly. And it's all focused on me. And I think the other takeaway from here is how easily persuaded our kids can be. Yes. Yes. I mean, who are they going to listen to at the end of the day? They're going to be persuaded, whether it's by their teachers or by, you know, and they're going to have bad influences as well as good influences. And whatever those intents of those influences may be, they're not the best. And so the question is, who, how are we going to ensure that they have, and we've talked about it in the last episode, that they have a strong attachment with you as a parent. So ultimately, they do lean on you and you are the primary agent of influence in their mm-hmm. lives, not a kid that, you know, has his, his self-entrance being manipulative or controlling or whatever it is that he has in mind. That's really difficult in these days because our kids are so heavily scheduled. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got so many things going on that parents are more of just a, yeah. a transportation. Chauffeur. Yeah. Chauffeur, yeah. And not a <laughs> relational connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, even if, if, if a child is raised right, they went to church, they know that God loves them. It's true. The reality is once they go into middle school, once they go into high school, they want to have that sense of belonging. They want to be part of the cool crowd. How, again, how do we make sure that we're that strong influence so that they don't fall into whatever direction their friends or their peers um, sway them to? Well, I mean, you know, you just said overscheduling them. Sometimes, again, we're doing things to overperform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, make sure we checked off all these things, which activities are great. Is mm-hmm. We overdo it. And so then we're just so overwhelmed as families that we don't have time to sit down at the dinner table and talk. I was just this weekend aghast that we went out to dinner as a family and almost everyone, all these families were sitting there with iPads and mm-hmm. tablets and phones. Nobody was talking to each other. <laughs> so I was just saying, you know, can we just 
make it simple. Like if you're having dinner, hey, how about once a week that you have, let's start small, baby steps. Once a week, have dinner together yes. and put away the phones and actually just look at each other in the eyes. So just really develop a relationship. It's very basic. But if you don't have that anchor, you're not looking at your kids in the eyes. You're not paying attention. You're not talking to them. You're not loving into them. They're not going to listen to you whenever these types of circumstances um, falls back. So I don't think it has to be about putting them in more stuff, giving them more stuff. It's really about you and the relationship you have with them. And that takes you stopping and looking at their in the eyes, kneeling down at their level, mm-hmm. playing with them, enjoying them. You know, it's very basic. Just really being in part, being there. Mm-hmm. And another just easy bit of advice is actually because we're scheduled, schedule it. Actually, yeah. take some time. <laughs> yeah. you use use your phone, your smartphone, and say, "Hey, right. this is as important." So I'm going to make it a meeting, a meeting with the family. That's cool. Yeah. Alrighty, yeah. Use technology to your side. Okay, for sure. Now, I just, right before we proceed, I just wanted to show this with you guys real quick. I found it interesting. Uh, psychologist uh, Roy Baumeister and a group of colleagues, after several studies, found that increased self-esteem was related to poorer performance on tasks. Uh, more relationship problems, more engagement in risky behaviors, and more aggressive and violent behavior. Now, would you agree with this, doctor? Yeah, it's overwhelming. There's been meta-analysis that have been done over and over in lots of studies, and it's actually backfiring. Mm. So when we're constantly just feeding the self for the self's sake only, it actually is not developing grit. And we've talked about this before in the in different sessions, that kids, um, in essence, are just trying to perform, trying to get the gold star, and so they're doing things Mm -hmm. um, just to get to the next level, and instead of it being that inner motivating component, which is your heart, and it's not about your character, the means, you know, that whole saying, the means justify the ends, Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes they'll go ahead and do all sorts of crazy, unethical, terrible, evil, sinful things um, in order to get to that end result. And so that does create a lot of aggression and competition and just pure nastiness so I can get my trophy. So because what we're doing is we're reinforcing or valuing that end result, that Mm -hmm. A, that trophy, that you made it to the varsity team, whatever that may be is what we're pushing kids towards. And that's the value that we've placed instead of placing the value on finishing well, character, honesty, working hard, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and uh, move forward. We have the case of Addie. We'll call this skit Addie, Good Addie, and Bad Addie. Listen to this. In conclusion, it was the conflict between these two opposing forces that was responsible for the downfall of the once great Byzantine Empire. And the final research paper, done. 10 pages, double-spaced. What time is it? 4 a.m. Why am I not tired? But you still have so much to do. Who are you? I'm you. The you you could be if you only applied yourself. What do you mean, apply myself? I just finished all my work for this semester three days early. But what about next semester? Your first geometry test is only three short weeks away. Do you even know the difference between an acute and an obtuse angle? But I've been working all night. 
That's right, Addy. You've finished all of your projects with incredible resolve and ahead of schedule. Now it's time to do something for you. I like things for me, but who are you? I'm you, the you that is relaxed and fulfilled. The you you should be as often as you can. Can it, hippie? Can't you see we're working here? But is it working or simply stressing? Search your thoughts, Addy. If you could do anything in the world right now, what would it be? Whatever it is, you deserve it. Here, take your right hand. Okay. And pat yourself on the back. No! Grab that protractor. Yeah, we uh, have math to uh, you. Can't control hands. Let go of the poor girl. Haven't you worked her hard enough for this month? She's barely taken any time for herself. You're just trying to distract us into watching funny cat videos and playing addicting online games. Well, we won't have it, you hear? No, no, no. I'm simply trying to help the poor girl find some pleasure in her day-to-day life without joy and fulfillment. What is this all about? It's about the end goal. It's about the journey. Tell Tell us, Addie. Addie, What what do do you want? want? I want you voices to get out of my head. Ugh. Man, I need to get some sleep. Four hours is all you need. You really do better with eight, dear. I said get out. Sorry. So, we're back, and uh, we just met Addie, a girl whose self-image is defined by her accomplishments. We listened to her having an argument with herself over how to spend her evening. Dr. Alice Laos, can you tell us what's going on with Addie here? Does she need help or what's going on? Well, I think a lot of people <laughs> can relate to one part of you wanting something and another part of you, you know, fighting against it, right? It's the eternal little devil on one side and the little angel on the other side, right? <laughs> so, you know, if we're really defined by, by what we do or don't do, then there's always going to be a ladder that we're going to have to climb. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing to to just strive towards balance. Um, oftentimes, some of, some folks, there's the one extreme of laziness, and I'm just going to sit here and just mm-hmm. lounge all day. The other extreme is working so hard that you're just, you know, really driving yourself so hard that you're creating a script for your life that's very hard and very damaging. And so, how do you create a sense of balance? Um, where you're not doing overdoing it. In mm-hmm. this case, he was obviously overdoing it. The girl was like not even sleeping well because she was trying to to complete know, the task, and she was yeah. even early. And yeah. her little yeah. mind was saying, "You have to go get to the next project." Yeah, it's striving hits, for perfectionism. Yeah, this hits home. Um, I have actually a goddaughter that just recently um, entered college. But when she was in, she was a high school student, straight A student. She was an honor student. Had the P classes, da 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 da, the P classes, the AP classes. And always trying to achieve more and more. Addie reminded me of her. I remember her mom always saying, you know, you got to stop. Uh, you're you're going to have a, an aneurysm or something's going to happen to you because you keep going. You're, you're up all night. You're, why don't you go with your friends? Why don't you go out with your friends? And this girl was very active in church as well. She was part of our youth uh, choir. But she just kept wanting to go that extra mile. Why does this happen? And I don't know if, if Pastor Dave, you can tell us, how can the faith community help these teens know that their self-worth is not based upon merits and academic merits? I don't know. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great struggle. Um, what's funny is, is I've most students that I have met and work with, they learn uh, more than you think, mm-hmm. meaning they're not making these things up. They're normally following an example. 
And so as, as I look at it, um, our society in a whole, we push so much that we need to work and we need to do. And if there is the person who just sits and actually relaxes is seen as lazy. Mm. There are those that are completely lazy and, and don't do stuff. But there's also those that, that don't understand what it means to truly rest. And God has actually made us in a way that he said, work hard six days and then have your day of rest that is focused on me. And it's kind of like a copy machine. It says these are the instructions. Do this and the machine will work. If you overwork the machine, it breaks down. Exactly. And it's one of those where I think from uh, school on out, we are sometimes teaching our young people that you need to be working all the time in order to make it in this world. There could be a bit of a balance of saying as a parent or as a school, how do we actually teach our kids to rest in a healthy way, to find some activity that recharges them instead of something that's always taking away from them. Um, And so that's one of the things that I, I look at in myself is sit there and say, am I actually having rest to lead the youth that I work with with a good example. Are they going to look at my life and say, oh, works hard, but he also has fun. And that's kind of one of those is where that's that's hard to do, especially in, in a world today that says, no, you have to be busy in order to be a success or you're lazy and you're not accomplishing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we're teaching our kids and we haven't really realized it. It could, it could be. And so it's one of those things and say, all right, to look at my own life, if I'm actually being an example to students or my own kids, am I actually living that healthy balance of work and the time of just relaxation? And then to be able to do that in the, in the eyes of my kids, they can actually see me doing it. Because mm-hmm. if they don't, mm-hmm. that's when it's a, little, it's a little difficult if they don't see that example. I would agree that it's such a cultural thing. I mean, we place so much value in the Bill Gates that wakes up at four in the morning and the, you know, what have you. And We and celebrate he, this. And he's at 19 years old and he made his first million and all these people, I don't know if it was, I don't, I'm quoting it <laughs> wrong. I don't know exactly when he made his millions. But um, these kinds of people were always playing so much, placing so much value and reading articles about what makes them successful. You know, they started their mornings at four in the morning and they started exercising and, you know, these kinds of things. And so that's what's valued. And I do agree society-wise. And it goes back to what you're saying. It's what we're doing to our kids. We place them in 20 things, you know, just over-scheduling them so that they could also succeed. And so that's the value that we're sh- chauffeuring to them or we overcrowd our schedules. I've had couples that are just so stressed and overwhelmed because they have they feel like, for example, Easter weekend, they have to do 20 things. And I'm going, okay, I know you could do one or two of them, but you need to do all these things, you know. And they're literally driving themselves to exhaustion and burnout and also financially costing themselves in order to provide all these activities and things that are all about that status quo and that performance and that merit instead of just chilling and enjoying each other's company. Parents, note to self. Relax. 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 <laughs> Take I just want to ask you, uh, Pastor Griffin, how can we take advantage of these type of situations to cultivate a close relationship with God? God has a couple of things that if you, if you look through scripture that are important to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is his creation and one is actually his, his, his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times what we do in order to say we relax is we shut those two things out. 
and this, again, some of this is, is, is my opinion, but if you look at it, it, it is it is kind of biblical, but it's shutting things out by, oh, my relaxing time is I lock myself in a room and I watch TV. Mm-hmm. And now I'm no longer reacting with either of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I just look at it and say, man, if you're going to actually relax and have fun, uh, try to figure out how to do it in a way that actually helps you focus on who God is and what is important to him. Mm-hmm. Um and his nature, it says right in Bible, is, is part of his creativity. It's something that points to his glory, as it says in Romans. So being outside is actually something that we can learn about who he is and how great he is because it was made for us and for us to enjoy because he loves us. And that's one of the things we talk about. The other thing is, is just with people. I mean, Jesus Christ died in order to save people. And so being around people and in relationship. Now, I know there are some people that, man, being with people just tires me out. And so (laughs) we have to understand ourselves. But it's one of those is where if we seclude ourselves from people relationally, that's another avenue of where God actually can speak, bring us rest and truth is being with people and especially family. Mm -hmm. And so as a family thinks about, man, how could I have some time of fun, I think it's up to parents even to say, how can we do this in a way that the family is involved and we're all having fun? That doesn't mean, and I don't mean this in a bad way, dad, you do what is fun for you. Mm-hmm. You're the adult. But what could you do that would be fun for the whole family? Mm-hmm. That's going to take a little bit of planning and thinking. Of course. But then when you all enjoyed it, something that is restful for everybody and you're kind of training that life of what it means to to, to be a relational person and, and in God's creation and with his people. Beautiful. Thank Beautiful. you for sharing that. That was great. Now we're going to move on to our next scenario, Larry and Walt again. We're going back to high school with Larry and Walt, and this is called Two Bullies and a Kid Who Knows His Worth. Hey, Larry. Hey, Walt. How uh, do you know him? I think we met a few times. My name's Ryan. You're a pretty terrible shot, Ryan. I wouldn't say I'm terrible, but I do need to work on my free throw, that's for sure. You look terrible to me. Oh. Do you have any advice? You should just quit. I'll never get better that way. Come here, give us the ball. You want to play something? Course? Or tips? He said give us the ball. Why? Just because. Come on. Alright. Are you going to shoot it, or... Why did you throw it across the gym? Batch. Are you guys here just to pick on me? Huh? You gotta be careful just checking it like that. This is an indoor basketball. It's easier to puncture. Did we break your ball? <laughs> this kid seems like a derp. A what? You know, like 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 a derp and a derp a derp a derp a derp a derp. That's not a thing. You can't really break a basketball. You can puncture it. Derp a derp a derp a derp. Larry, let it go. What are you doing? Practicing my free throws. But I'm confused what you guys are doing. Aren't you worried about how much trouble you're going to be in? Are you going to tell on us, Ryan? I don't have to. It's pretty obvious. Ha! No one cares what we do to you. You're just a freshman. Oh, I didn't mean about bugging me. No one cares about that. I meant how you broke into the chemistry lab. What? We didn't break into the chem lab. Sure you did. The entire computer science club was meeting across the hall when you did it. Larry! He he doesn't know anything. Just chill out. Are you kidding? Everyone probably knows. My parents are going to freak. Hey, Walt, Walt, it's fine. You, 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 you derp. Huh? Shut up. What's a derp? All right. So there we saw Larry and Walt. 
being bullies to this poor kid. Well, not poor kid because he was actually very self-confident. We saw Ryan, yes. who's a freshman. He's being bullied by these seniors. And he, it didn't even bother him a bit. I don't know, they call him, I don't know what names, Derpid, whatever that was. And then he, he came back around. He was very self-confident. He told him about what he knew. So they just went away. How awesome is that? How can we raise kids like that? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, um, not all kids, I mean, are going to respond to something like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't have self-compassion or that they're fine. There's some kids are going to hit across a bullying kind of circumstance and they're going to feel it, it, you know, feel, feel a sense of rejection. Mm-hmm. The idea is that they're able to work through that and bounce back and not take it as such a taunt to the self that they're not able to pull forth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, it's obvious that this kid, he just has a strong sense of self and identity and he, whatever has been thrown to him, it's not going to land. It's not going to stick. You know, whatever insults are not sticking. And it either could be because he's clueless and maybe not not as clear <laughs> to the situation. But, you know, it also could be that he's just has a he's sure of who, we, of who he is as a person. And it's not really teasing. You know, the teasing is not working. That was refreshing to, to hear. I hope I hope that many teens um, out there can or many parents who are listening out there can support. Let's support our kids so that they become the Ryan that we just heard. You know, what's what's really fun is usually young people who are like that, and I've met them. Uh, there is a, a kid that I actually get to hang out with now. He's a, a junior in high school. He mm. is on the, a bit of the autism scale, and mm-hmm. so s- socially, he, you, you know, people would say he's not normal. Okay. Nicest kid you have ever met. He is the nicest thing ever. He is not afraid to go up and shake hands with anybody, which I've seen other ones who are not used to that, goes up and he tries <laughs> to just shake their hand, and they immediately, I don't think they call him a derp, but they you know, call him something and start saying stuff. And yeah. what he always does is he just sort of says, well, I don't know if that's true. And then he goes, and in his way, he goes to find somebody and say, hey, so-and-so called me this. Is that true? So-and-so calls me this. And the, he has found people that will tell him the truth. And I think that's what young people need to do is to find somebody who they trust, who's actually going to, when they're questioning, does God really love me? Or is this person's opinion about me true? To actually find somebody they can trust and say, hey, I'm feeling this. Is this true? And then we start getting people who can actually tell us the truth, which is awesome. Because those those shame those shame scripts mm-hmm. are scripts that are you know I'm not worth anything. Yes. Yeah. I'm terrible as a person. That's a shame script. And you know when you feel a sense of rejection, a lot of people automatically go there. If mm-hmm. not most, I'm terrible. I'm no good. You know that shame script. And the thing is to question that with another person, a sound person, a parent or mm-hmm. a friend, someone that can you know test it. Again, as parents, being able to speak truth into the lives of our kids. You're good. You were created as good. You are valued. You're loved. And when that's the script that's ingrained in their DNA, when they come across situations that beckon the shame script, I'm no Mm -hmm. good, it's almost like that secondary lawyer in them can buffer it and go, no, that was just a circumstance. It was terrible. It was painful. You didn't like it. But that's not who you are. They have issues those kids, you know, are just up to no good, but that's not who you're defined. But you're able to argue against that negative shame script when you have something to anchor it with or someone that can help you in the meantime. Like if you're not able to have that identity as a mm-hmm. self yet, like you said, being able to talk to a parent or another person that can, you know, you can test that shame script and they can go, no, that's not that's not right. That's not who you are. Awesome. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much. We're coming up now with the uh, closing comments. Pastor Griffin, anything else you'd like to add right before we say goodbye today? What is great is there is hope because this is the raising kids is not easy, especially a kid that doesn't just think, oh, I'm great, but say I'm great because God loves me. There is hope in this because we have a God that this is what he wants. This is what his hope and what his will is. And so if we really, as parents, as, as leaders, to say, hey, help me first to understand how much God loves me so that I can live that type of life in front of my student and tell them the truth. That's where God actually works. And I've seen hundreds, maybe thousands of kids that are beginning to live that life of I'm important and I'm special because of who God is and what he cares about me. And it doesn't matter what the world says. That's awesome. Thank you for doing what you do. And for the parents that are out there that think that maybe they don't have the resources or the help they need to help their children, where can they turn to? The Compass Church, it has, uh, there are four campuses in the Naperville and Wheaton area and also in Bolingbrook. Uh, and if you would like that help, you can always look us up at thecompass.net. That's where we're at. All right, great stuff. So, uh, ladies and gents, in our next podcast, we'll start with the next series titled Nurture Your Child's Heart and Brain. You won't want to miss that. That's right. Thank you for listening to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. Make sure that you download it and share it with your friends and parents. Of course, don't miss any of the great topics that we always showcase. Download the app through iTunes Store Now and check out other supporting resources in Family Bridges app, also available on iTunes. That's right. Stay up to date with blogs, tips, and more resources on, and more resources on social media using hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR. That's right. Thanks for tuning in. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next, next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. 